Hello and welcome to the Bell Mama Hypnobirthing and Positive Birth Podcast. My name is Ellie Waddington. I'm a hypnobirthing teacher, antenatal instructor and positive birth coach. And I'm here to help you go into the birth of your baby with a positive mindset. Every week I share my top tips, advice and amazing birth stories to help you go from fearful and anxious about your birth to positive and confident. Make sure you hit the subscribe button and let's get into this episode. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the podcast. This week I am really excited to be sharing with you an amazing positive birth story. This is the birth story of Rachel who is one of my hypnobirthing clients. Her and her husband came um, and did one of my refresher courses uh, earlier on this year back in December. We did it over Zoom. She actually lives down in Southampton. Um, Yes, this was her second birth. She'd already done a hypnobirthing course with her first pregnancy and she'd had the most amazing positive birth experience and she wanted just to kind of um, brush up on her hypnobirthing skills again for her second pregnancy. Now, her birth did take a little bit of a different path than she had originally intended but her knowledge and her hypnobirthing skills meant that she was able to stay positive and calm and in control even though it wasn't exactly what she had planned for initially. So yeah without much further ado here is the amazing positive birth story of Rachel. Hi hello Rachel thank you so much for coming on to the podcast and chatting about your birth. How are you feeling today? Um, I'm well thank you how are you? Good, very well, thank you, yes. Um, So remind me, how old is Molly now? She is five and a half months. Wow, wow. And how is she going? Is she doing everything you'd expect her to do? Yeah, she's really good. She's a very happy, chill baby, which is a a nice contrast from my first. Yeah, oh my God, that makes such a difference, doesn't it? So Molly, as you just said, Molly is your second baby. Um what were kind of your main differences between your pregnancies did you notice any kind of differences um I'd say uh I was quite surprised how quickly I was showing with my second compared to my first I think my first uh bump didn't really get sort of firmly seated until it was about 20 weeks something like that Mm -hmm. um whereas with her it was just like oh hi uh like 10 weeks uh why do I look seven months pregnant Yeah, I found that with my second actually with Annabelle, I showed a lot, lot quicker. And I just remember all my maternity stuff had to come out the wardrobe like a lot quicker with my second one. Um, Yeah. So when did you first hear about hypnobirthing? When did you first sort of come across it? Was it with your first pregnancy? It was with my first, yeah. Um, I'm I'm quite a research-driven person and uh, also quite scientific. And uh, I kept thinking I need to I need to know something you know there, there must be more to this I can't I can't truly just be pregnant and then have a baby because I was obviously quite nervous about the birth and uh, I thought well what can I do started looking into different things and found a, a national course um which I did it was sort of an online course and uh really really enjoyed it got a lot out of it um found that the the information sort of resonated with my way of thinking quite a lot um yeah. And and ended up with a with a very positive birth, but um, then obviously second time round, um, wanted sort of something a bit more personalised. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So when you sort of came across hypnobirthing, did it all make sense to you, or did you think it was kind of a lot of people they come across hypnobirthing and they think it sounds a bit like hippie ish, like it all sounds a bit 
nonsense and that was me like when I with my first pregnancy I did no preparation whatsoever I heard about hitting a birthing and I was like that sounds nonsense that's obviously not going to work you can't just like breathe and visualize rebirth um what was your kind of take on it when you first came across hypnobirthing um I I think the name was the biggest thing that put me off um the the name I feel like they just need to change it like it doesn't (laughs) it doesn't really help you visualize what it is um and it doesn't sort of anyone I've recommended hypnobirthing to the first thing I've said is like it's not like it sounds it's science and it it's teaching you about how your body works and just managing to work with your body rather than it's not just if you breathe like this then you'll have a really easy birth you know there's there's so much more to it and the background behind it and I think that understanding is goes a long way into helping it to work um, yeah, you know, absolutely. You teach them on the breathing techniques, they'll be like, okay, great, but I'm still really scared. Whereas you teach them what your body's doing and how that is going to change with breathing and with all the different exercises and, and everything else, then then it kind of starts making more sense. So, yeah, so I was never really, once I actually started it, I was never that skeptical because mm-hmm. everything I learned before it came to any of the, the exercises and everything made me more reassured that I understood what my body was going to be going through. Yeah. Oh, that's brilliant. Yeah. You're absolutely right about the name, not kind of reflecting what it actually does though. Because people kind of think when, when I start off all my hypnobirthing courses, I explain what hypnosis is because hypnosis stands for hypnosis. Um, And we all imagine hypnosis to be like someone in a really kind of dodgy suit, swinging a pendulum and that you go into a trance um but hypnosis is literally about deep relaxation and it is it's a form of therapy you know there are doctors recommending it now increasingly for things like stopping addictions getting over phobias and things like that so why wouldn't it work in birth so I definitely agree with what you say about the um about the name of it being a little bit misleading and did you have any friends kind of did you know anyone that had done it before you did you have any recommendations or were you kind of the first person that you knew that kind of looked into it um but you know I can't remember uh I don't there was nobody who sort of springs to mind who was sort of like you know you must do this but I've certainly recommended it to a lot of people afterwards yeah yeah and I think that's a real big thing is increasingly word of mouth like lots of people that come to me for my courses it is people that they know personally that have recommended it um and so yeah I think that is absolutely a a big thing and it's found it quite sort of nerve-wracking sometimes recommending it because you know because I've had positive experiences I always feel like you know I don't want somebody else to do it and then be disappointed if they don't but what I found is that Friends who've done it after I have, even if they've ended up with forceps deliveries or um, cesareans or, you know, births that ordinarily they wouldn't have seen as positive, they've all still found that hypnobirthing helped their birth because yeah. they were felt more empowered. They, you know, they could use their brain and um, and make the decisions and advocate for themselves. And other scenarios which ordinarily they were terrified of, like a cesarean, they actually found that they took it in their stride because they knew they they could cope with even you know even a non-planned scenario it helped them to put themselves in the right mindset yeah absolutely and the calming techniques that you do learn in hypnobirthing you can use them in 
lots of situations not just birth you know I mean I've used them when I was having um, dentist work done because I absolutely hate the dentist and so using those kind of calming breathing techniques when that was being done that was a huge change for me and also in my parenting as well learning how to stay sort of calm and focused when your toddler's having a massive meltdown um, in a public place (laughs) it happens Um, and yeah absolutely it's not just about kind of aiming or kind of achieving one particular kind of birth and I think people get this kind of idea because we look at hypnobirthing videos on YouTube and Instagram and we see you know nice pretty fairy lights and things like that and people think that you can only do one particular kind of birth but hypnobirthing in and of itself can be applicable to lots of different birth scenarios. Absolutely I've got a friend who's pregnant at the moment and I sort of said to her you know it's worth having to think about you know it's a second but she she sort of isn't a planner didn't really plan anything the first one she's kind of just said oh I was thinking I'd probably just go for the epidural again and I thought and I said to her yeah that's great but you can still really make your birth experience so much different even if you're planning an epidural or you know no matter what it is it's not a a hypno I think some people have the preconception that hypnobirthing means you're aiming for a a medication-free birth yeah rather than just taking control of your birth yeah But I also think it's worth noting that the reason that you do see a lot of people doing hypnobirthing with those kind of natural births is because doing a hypnobirthing course, it gives them, it opens their eyes. It gives them the confidence to, to go for that birth they want, you know, whereas before all they get is their, you know, their sisters and their aunts and their mums telling them that birth is hideous, that they're going to be in pain, that it's all going to go wrong. Um, And so (laughs) Molly's joining us. (laughs) She's so cute. Um, yeah, so I think a hypnobirthing course really kind of opens up their eyes as to what is possible. And that's why you do have so many more people going forward and getting those kind of natural births that they want, because they have the knowledge and also the confidence to advocate for themselves. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> oh, she is so cute. Look at her little face. <laughs> Obviously, all my listeners are not going to see any kind of video, but I can tell you that Molly is absolutely adorable. Oh, my goodness. Hi. Oh, she's got a smile. i got a smile. Oh, she's so cute. Hi. Okay, I'm going to stop cooing over your baby now. Um, <laughs> so your first birth with your little boy, Ben, how old is he now? He's just over two and a half. Oh, okay. And so how was that? You did hypnobirthing with with that birth. And what kind of birth experience did you have the first time around? So I had um, a really good birth. I had a water birth in a... Um, a what do you call it a sort of a hospital adjacent birth center oh it's so, like a midwife led unit yeah midwife led unit um yeah. birth center sort of like on a different floor to the labor ward so yeah, yeah. midwife yeah. birth center yeah. um and, and it reminds me what trust you're under is it southampton yeah 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 so um really really good um the the staff were amazing they sort of they they changed as soon as they knew that I was doing hypnobirthing. They put fairy lights up, dimmed the lights, tried to make it nice and calm for me, like without me even having to say anything. So that oh, that's was lovely. amazing. Yeah, yeah, um, it was really good, and it was kind of like I we thought that I was going to be um, having to be sent home, and the last thing I wanted was to to go to the hospital and then be sent home. Yeah. Um, and then when we got there, I was six centimeters, so I was able to get straight in the pool. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, it was just a great experience. Little one wasn't, um, he didn't take his first breath quite as quickly as we would have liked him to. So we had to sort of um, whisk him off and 
cut the cord and things and not do delayed cord clamping and that kind of stuff. But yeah. he was all good in the end. And yeah, it was yeah. really, really smooth sailing. Oh, that is absolutely amazing. That's really, really kind of, that's, that's amazing that the staff, they knew that you wanted a particular kind of environment for your birth and they were so willing to facilitate that. Absolutely. Um, they, they read yeah, my birth classes and straight away they were like, okay, we know what we're doing here. That's really, really great to hear. And did you see um, the same midwife or the same team all the way through your first pregnancy? Um, I saw the same midwife for my appointments, but then the team on the day were a totally different team. Yeah, yeah, that that does happen quite quite commonly, actually, is that you see kind of a certain midwife all the way through and it's kind of luck of the draw as to whether they are going to be on call on that day or whether they're going to be in that kind of area. Um, So that is a bit of luck of the draw, really. And so you then, you know, you ha- you got pregnant with your second baby, with Molly, who is still looking at me and absolutely adorable. <laughs> um, and yeah, so you wanted to do hypnobirthing again and you came and you found me and did my refresher course. So Rachel didn't do my uh, full course because she'd already done it with um, another organisation. She did a refresher session with me and just to kind of, you know, re kind of relearn some of those essential techniques you and your husband um and so how did you feel going into your second birth what was your kind of mindset like with that to be honest even more positive because not only did I have a previous experience to relate to where I wasn't going in scared um but also learning from you I learned additional tips and methods that I hadn't been taught in the previous course. And because this was a sort of a one-to-one course, it meant that I could actually ask you things individually and you could sort of tailor it towards what I needed. Mm -hmm. Um, And also because I could remember quite a lot, but I knew that there was a good chance my husband probably couldn't. So it was great for him to be able to be on there. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Um, uh, It was just nice to be able to go, okay, I don't have to say to you, right, can you sit down and read a load of things or can you do this or can you do that? I just had to get him in a room um, with me and you and then we could all just talk through it and then it was all fresh in all of our minds. Yeah, and he was really engaged. I remember when you guys um, sort of logged on to Zoom, he was really engaged with it and that's really great to see as a hypnobirthing teacher when the birthing partner wants to be there and wants to be involved that makes such a difference to to your mindset as the woman giving birth that makes such a big difference you need to I think as much as you can feel confident in yourself knowing that you've got your birth partner by your side and on your side is really helpful absolutely that's going to make a huge difference knowing that they are going to be your advocate and they're going to side with you and they're not going to try and convince you to just be a good girl and do what the healthcare professionals say Yeah, I always describe birth partners as being like the keeper of the cave. You know, they're protecting your birth space. They're protecting you from the uh, the metaphorical bears and the wolves that are trying to get at you. Um, and that makes such a huge difference. So was your pregnancy with Molly all fairly straightforward? Were you considered low risk in inverted commas? I, I, hate, I hate the terms low risk and high risk, but you know, you know what I mean? Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, no, we were we were low risk. Um, no, no concerns all the way through. Brilliant. Okay, so now let's sort of get towards the actual birth story that everyone here is waiting to hear. So when you started to get towards your due kind of month, your due period, were you, how how was that feeling? Did you kind of know that you were approaching labour? Um, I, well, I actually moved house um, five days before the uh-huh. baby arrived. Um, wow. and, was, and I had her eight days after my due you know, in inverted commas, due date. Yeah. Um, 
So I I had kind of, from sort of what I'd read and everything, I'd kind of thought maybe baby would arrive slightly earlier than my first. Um, so I was kind of thinking, oh, maybe maybe baby will be earlier. But then because I was moving, I was like, of course it won't. Of course <laughs> she won't be early. No, she's going to hold out. Um, she doesn't want to be born in the old house. She wants to she wants to experience the new house. So mm-hmm. um, we, I, I kept thinking, oh please, you know, please just. I, I, I just didn't want her to arrive on moving day, but I yeah. think the stress of it all just kind of made my body go, no, you're not ready yet. So let's just hold out. So I stayed chilled, kept walking, kept eating my dates and doing all my little things. Um, and uh, yeah, so she, I, I didn't, I didn't think she was going to arrive anytime soon. I like from what I'd read, I was poised for it, but in my head I was like, no, no, she's yeah. not. She, okay. Yeah. And was she sort of later than Ben, or was she around the same? Was it Ben Kamali? I can't remember. He was forty plus five. She was forty-one plus one. Wow, wow, that's amazing. <laughs> Bless her. She's. Oh, I can't get over her face. She is. She looks so curious. You can see there is so much going on behind mm. those eyes. Looks like the trees outside. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Um. And so you yeah god yeah I, I completely forgot actually that you were moving around that time because we were discussing the possibility that you might have wanted a home birth but because of the moving that wasn't really an option for you i didn't want to set up in my head where my birth space would be and then have the plans change and that stressed me out yeah and i could have had sort of a plan for the old house a plan for the new house if it had been moving day and everything in boxes then i would have just been even more stressed so i thought let's yeah. just plan for the most sensible on the day yeah Absolutely. And so did you plan to give birth in the same uh, centre that you birthed your first baby? Yeah. So my hope was to have uh, a water birth again, because to be honest, because I've had a water birth and it was so positive, I was almost still a little bit scared to have any other kind of birth. Yeah. Um, And dry land made me nervous. Labour ward made me very nervous because I didn't want to end up on sort of a... um, uh, cascade of interventions yeah, exactly that's the one um yeah i didn't want that to happen i was really nervous that if a doctor were to get involved then it would just all go wrong basically um but i couldn't end up having a uh a water birth because of the um because of meconium in the waters right okay so let's go back to when you first started experiencing labor symptoms let's go from there when was that um so it was middle of the night um so the night before I had this weird thought. I was like, we're not prepared enough. I just mm-hmm. suddenly thought, I think I need to build the pushchair. Uh, so at like 11 o'clock, I'm downstairs trying to put the pushchair together. My husband's going, you really shouldn't be lifting that. What are you doing? Why are you doing that now? And I'm like, I just want to make sure it's built, all right? I just I just think we should make sure it's built. Um, and then uh, and then we just watched like some comedy shows and uh, had a, like a really good laugh. And then, um, yeah, I literally, I went to bed and like middle of the night, woke up, I was like, hmm, I think something might be happening. Um, yeah. Like I could feel contractions, but it was just very mild. Um, and then it ramped up quite quickly. But I thought I still had my little one um, in our bed. So I was like, right, OK, because we just moved. We didn't have like bedrooms all set up yet. So he was co-sleeping. I thought, well, I'm not going to jump to any conclusions because I don't want to wake everybody up. Uh, So I sat there and just stayed in bed and just watched the clock for a bit 
and uh, contractions were very, very quick. And I watched it for about an hour, and then I woke my husband up and just sort of said, um, I think you might need to get little one to grandparents um, because, uh, yeah, this this probably won't be that far away. Um, <laughs> and I don't want to – I was like, I don't want to um, – keep him here too long and then find that we can't get him there and then we're in a whole different situation yeah. but I also didn't want to jump to conclusions and, and get in there too quickly yeah. um so we ended up saying well let's just phone label line and see what they say and they said get him to his grandparents <laughs> <laughs> so that all sounds very exciting so you got Ben to his grandparents and yeah. then what happened did you go straight to uh, the labor ward from there no, so my husband um, actually phoned grandparents and said to them, um, yeah, we think, you know, we don't know what's going on, but uh, we think he should come to you now. Um, I'll be with you about about quarter to four, I think he said. And that was that was sort of an hour away. And I sort of looked at him, I was like, are you, why are you not going to get him there any quicker than that? And do you not understand what's going on here? He's like, uh, oh, yeah, but I need to have a shower. I need to make some breakfast. I'm like, you're going to have breakfast? It's three o'clock. He's like, yeah, but I don't want to be hungry because if this is it, I don't want to you know i need a shower and uh, yeah so if he didn't get his breakfast which he was very disappointed about but he did get a lot of biscuits in the hospital so he was all right Good, okay um and uh so we got little one there and then when he got back he jumped in the shower um and when he was in the shower my waters broke um, was it like Hollywood style? Was it like a big yeah, Hollywood style um I was still in bed um but yeah proper proper Hollywood style and there was meconium in the waters my first thought was okay I I don't know what to do right now but I do know we need to check what color this is I know yeah. that's the only thing I know um so we checked and it was green and I was devastated because I suddenly thought that's my that's my thoughts of a water birth out the window um right. obviously it's not necessarily but I panicked and that was when that I think that was probably the first real time that I needed to bring my my everything I've learned into effect because yeah. I need to calm myself back down, get myself back into the green and, and remember that actually we just got, it's just a change of plan. It's not, it's not a bad thing. It's just a change. Yeah, yeah exactly. And you're still in control of that situation. And, you know, meconium isn't the end of the world at all for everybody. Um, but you, based on the research that you've done, you made that decision that was right for you. Yeah. So I phoned, um, phoned the labor line back and they said, yeah, get straight down here. Um, but uh come to the labor ward and that was when my heart sank because i was like yeah. oh so i can't go to the birth center now they said no you've got you've got to come to the labor ward um so i got down there pretty much straight away you know just got everything that we could sorted what i didn't realize was that once your water's gone that's kind of not it so we didn't like prepare the car or anything which is quite funny <laughs> and, and it kept luckily, coming, yeah. luckily it didn't until we then got to the hospital, but it was hilarious because I was like, wow, we could have destroyed the car. <laughs> yeah, no, that's amazing. A lot of people say that, that you don't realise how much water is actually in there and it yeah. just, it keeps coming. I, I never experienced that with both of my births. I didn't, my waters didn't go until I was literally like pushing. So they, they all kind of came out. First. Yeah. And so you just you don't kind of realise when you're in that zone how much it actually is. So were you yeah. kind of like walking to the hospital and you kind of like were leaking? You felt like it was like coming oh, out. That's just it. I wasn't when I was on the way to the hospital. So when we were at home, um, so they went and I sort of jumped in the bath. And then when we got to the hospital, there was just nothing all the way there, all the way to the hospital, all the way to the room I was in. And then they went again. I was like, wow, 
that's really good timing. <laughs> yes. Amazing. And how did you find the car ride from your home to the hospital? Because that's oh, often the bit that people um, they struggle with is staying yeah. calm and comfortable in the car. Yeah, with my first, it was worse um, because we had a little bit further to go and a lot more traffic lights. Um, yeah. But this time around, luckily, um, where it was so early in the morning or late at night, whatever you want to call it, um, yeah. the, the roads were empty and we drove straight through and we managed to get there all right. It was just, we ended up parking right down the end of the car park, which is a little bit annoying. Yeah. Just stopping at bollards every sort of 20 paces to have another contraction. Yeah. But no, it was it was not too bad, the journey that time. Excellent. So were you kind of doing your breathing and did you have any kind of music or your MP3s going while you're in the car? I had it all planned. I had my birth playlists. I had all of it all ready to hand. You know, I thought this time I'm going to be really prepared. And then when we actually got in the room, my husband was sort of saying, you know, do you want your music on? Do you want your earbuds? Do you want do you want your snack bag? And I was like, nope, I just need you to stop talking. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah and that's really important for people to note is that you can make all these plans you know I, I teach on my hypnobirthing course I teach people these like massage techniques I teach yeah. them aromatherapy and all these different things but you don't you might not want to use them in the moment in labor you might literally just want everyone to leave you alone and not be anywhere near you you don't yeah. know how you're going to feel when you're actually all in labor all I wanted for the entire labor was my bottle of water with a straw and I, needed, I just said to him, can you just hold that? And if I look up, give me a drink. That's all I yeah. want. I just want water. The snack bag ended up lasting me for about a week and a half afterwards, just next to me whilst I was feeding just throughout the day. Yeah. It was great to have it there still. It just yeah. uh, just wasn't what I thought I would need in during the birth. Yeah, excellent. So you are now in the labour ward, in labour. And how is it going now? What What happened next? So they took me to a side room um, just to get checked over, you know, figure out what the situation was with the meconium, make sure that they were happy with me um, and do some monitoring. And the first thing I said when they said we need to do some monitoring was I do not want to be strapped down. I need to stay upright um, and be mobile. So can you do wireless monitoring? Um, And I said, please, 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 please. Can you read my birth preferences? Um, I want to make sure that you you really understand this. and and I'd still like to have a water birth if possible. There was so on the labour ward there is only one birth pool. There was a lady in there at the time, and they said, "Well, she she's nearly had her baby, so we just got to clean it up once she's done, and then you might be able to go in there." They weren't so keen on that in the end. Um, yeah. But what they what they were brilliant with is they they at no point they knew that I wanted to be midwife led, so at no point did they bring a doctor into the room, which I could not have been more thankful for not that yeah. there's anything wrong with seeing doctors but i just i just wanted that environment so i had one midwife yeah. i had the wireless monitoring and the doctors were monitoring my monitoring from another room okay. so they would just send the midwife in every now and again and be like okay well they've said this the doctors want to check this because they can't see this um but yeah they they left it so it was just me and her and my husband which was so nice yeah oh that made a huge difference then that made a huge difference because you're right in that there's nothing wrong with doctors per se but having an obstetrician present that can affect your mindset because you're then automatically thinking you know things going wrong interventions you know it's association isn't it yeah so we went into this side room with the plan being okay you're going to go somewhere from here um i agreed to a um let me check you vaginal examination there you go yeah examination that's the word 
Um, it's been a long week. Small people. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, now I understand. <laughs> yeah, so I agreed to an examination and I was nine centimetres. Okay. So by this point, they were like, okay, um, I don't think this baby's going to be long. Um, and I, it, it really wasn't very long before I wanted to start pushing. Um, so the the midwife who was with me was actually usually on the post birth ward. She normally manages those. Um, so she was she then got really excited because she doesn't get to deliver babies very often. And I was like, is that reassuring or is that? <laughs> um, but no, so she was she was absolutely great, and because almost her being more excited about it sort of pumped me up a little bit because yeah. like I knew, I knew that she was going to be there with us through the whole thing. Um, and, and then I got, and then once I realized that I wasn't gonna have a water birth, um, I got a little bit nervous because I thought, you know, I'm not prepared for a dry land birth. I don't know how to be, I don't know how to, where to put myself. Um, but in the end she just said, you put yourself wherever you want. You can literally do whatever you want in this room and I will catch your baby. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. That's an amazing okay. attitude. As long as, I can, as long as I can rely on the fact that, you know, you will catch she was like i will i will catch your baby do not worry about that um oh, so yeah and then literally i think i was in that room for less than an hour before okay. the baby okay and did you accept any pain relief were you offered any pain relief i wasn't offered any pain relief and i didn't ask for any pain relief okay um with my first i had a couple of paracetamol and some gas and air um but with her i didn't have anything at all Okay, and at any point, did you feel, like, out of control or did you find that everything was quite manageable and you were... No, I mean, I know obviously everyone has different pain thresholds. Some people do and don't feel pain if they do hypnobirthing and things. I found it... I did find it painful, but it was manageable. Yeah. Um, I I found that it was more... As long as I could stay in the zone and I could work for each contraction, then I was okay. Yeah, that makes a huge difference as well. It's not being distracted and people not talking to you and bringing you kind of out of that zone. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. So what position were you in when you birthed Molly? Um, I was kneeling on the bed mm-hmm. uh, with my arms like, like as if, you, you know, like when you cross your arms. Yeah. Like like that, but leaning on my husband's arms, like on his forearms. Okay. So he was taking pretty much my entire weight. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, just sort of kneeling. And was that just pure instinct? Did you just kind of, you knew what position you wanted yeah. to be in? Yeah. Yeah. I just I just said to him, like, wait, you come around here. I need some help. Yeah, that is amazing. And people, you know, we still have this image automatically, first time mums in particular, of people lying on their back in a hospital bed. Um, And we kind of think that's how you give birth. But actually, instinctively, you are so much more likely to want to be in an upright position or kneeling or squatting or standing um, because we are primates at the end of the day. And you don't see, you know, orangutans or chimpanzees giving birth in the back, do you? (laughs) You We are primates. You want to be upright. That's how we're designed to give birth. Yeah, and the the funniest thing was about probably five to ten minutes before I had her, um, the midwife had come in and said, baby's heart rate isn't as stable. They can't see that it's as stable as they'd like to. The monitors are showing it's fine, but they can't see it from their side. Um, they'd like to put a little clip on baby's head um, just to, to, just, to um, just so they can make sure everything's okay. And I straight away just said no. I said, no, I know what that is. I know from my training that that's not what I want to do. Um and I appreciate that you're you're coming at this from the right place. Um, but 
I don't feel comfortable doing that. So I'd like to carry on. And I was so glad that I did because it wasn't long late after that she was born and she was absolutely fine. Yeah, yeah. And just uh, for anyone that doesn't know what Rachel was talking about, so the fetal scalp electrode um, is basically it's a form of monitoring that's offered if they're not able to get readings accurately from the outside, which can happen sort of later on into your labour as the baby kind of descends um, a bit more. And, you know, we as you know, as a kind of community, we don't have a problem with the fetal scalp electrode per se. Sometimes it is necessary. Sometimes it is the best course of action. What we tend to object to is the fact that it's referred to as a little clip, mm. um, which is not an accurate description. And I don't believe that mothers can make a an informed choice about whether or not to accept it based on that information. You know, at best, it's a little bit misleading, but at worst, that's actually a lie because it's not a little clip. It's actually a little, um, it's kind of like a coil, like a screw with a little barb that actually screws into the top of baby's head. And when people that don't know what that is, when they... Um, do find out afterwards what it is that has happened to their baby's head. Sometimes they're a little bit upset that they weren't informed properly beforehand. So, so yeah, just thought I'd let you know what that is, a fetal scalp electrode. Rachel chose, she, she made an informed decision not to accept that. And yeah, that was right for her in that moment. So you started to feel the urge to push when you were in that position. And then what? Um, well, I was only actually in the third, oh. in, in the third stage, the pushing stage for... I think it was six minutes. Oh, um, wow, okay. Yeah, so baby arrived very, very quickly. Yes. And how did um, that kind of feel? Did you, because lots of people describe it as kind of the ring of fire, you know, this kind of pain as baby starts to come out. Did you feel that or did it all just happen quite quickly? No, um, I didn't. I, I actually found I felt the ring of fire more with the water birth of my first. Oh, okay, that's interesting. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And so you pushed little molly out and yes. did the mid midwife catch her yeah, midwife caught her passed her straight through to me i pulled her up to my chest and gave her a big cuddle and they uh they sort of there was two of them in the room by that point and they sort of came around and just just put, put a blanket over the back of her and gave her a little rub just to make sure she was okay um yeah. but she was all good um and then uh yeah then i just sort of laid down and um sort of started some skin to skin and started establishing that breastfeeding relationship um and so they knew that I wanted delayed clamping um yeah so they weren't in any rush with anything really they just sort of let me deliver the placenta like in my own time and um yeah it was just it was all very very calm and very surreal it sounds like you had a really kind of knowledgeable, um, really intuitive midwife team around you. And that, again, that makes such a difference. The fact that they let you enjoy that that time afterwards, um, they let you kind of soak up the oxytocin and the delay cord clamping, because that that's what helps the, the placenta come out in its own time and helps it come out safely. Well, the great thing was, I don't even think my midwife really even knew much about hypnobirthing, but because she'd read my notes, she was just happy to just go along with what my preferences were and because yeah. we hadn't ended up going to a ward I was then just in a private room with a little ensuite so there was no distractions from the outside world which is probably as close to the birth center experience as it could have been for being on the labor ward yeah. just by fault. yeah oh that's amazing so do you know how long um it was before the cord was cut it was well they they left it until it was it stopped pulsing and it had gone white I'm pretty sure it was at least 10 minutes yeah so yeah so how long were you then in 
hospital for? How long did you stay there? Well, we thought originally that I'd be able to go home within a few hours. So it was first thing in the morning. Um, it was still only sort of six o'clock in the morning. Um, and he said, oh, you know, you'll be home by lunchtime. And then they came back in about 10 minutes later and said, I'm really sorry, but we were actually wrong. Um, because of the meconium, we need to keep you in for 24 hours just to do some monitoring on the baby. Um, this is, you know, it's, I'm sure it'll all be fine, but we just want to um, just keep checking her heart rate and things every couple of hours. Um, I think it was six hours of every two hours, then one more after a further 12 hours. Um, And then we were allowed to go home, but it was literally just an exercise that wasn't, um, there there was nothing to worry about. They just, because there'd been meconium and they they even said the meconium was likely just because she was over past her due date. It wasn't, there was any concern, but they couldn't assume that, which I understood. And it also did give me, so originally they'd given me the choice they'd said you could go home or you could stay and then afterwards they realized I did have to stay but when they gave me the choice I actually found that really hard because it was do I stay here and kind of recover and get to know my baby and everything else or do I go home to chaos and start straight away with family of four you know just had a baby um so when they took it away from me at least it meant that I wasn't the one saying no I'd like another night away from my son um kind of selfishly um so yeah, it kind of just gave me that 24 hours to go, okay, this has just happened. Um, let's sort of calm down and, and learn what new life's like. Yeah, no, and I've actually heard a lot of kind of second and third time mums say that is that their their stay in hospital was like a little mini break for them, like away from home life. You know, they're not kind of having to cook and clean and do everything at, at home and they enjoyed that kind of like mini break. So I completely get like where you're coming from with that. I mean, don't get me wrong, it was nice to get home and, and give, you know, start with her own sleep space and things. And, and she actually didn't sleep very well the first night in hospital, but it was nice to not have to worry about, like, what am I cooking for dinner? And, uh, you know, all the, yeah. all the normal things of life, just for 24 hours. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, yeah, that's your birth story. Thank you so much for sharing that with us today, Rachel. I know that these birth stories are really, really important for, for new mums kind of going into their births and hearing all these different kinds of births and the positive stories, knowing that birth isn't as horrendous and painful and, you know, scary as Western society tends to make out it is. So thank you very much. Oh, and my goodness, I love her little face. I love her little face. Thank you so, so much for joining us and sharing your birth story today do you have any kind of parting words that you want to say to any new mums out there anyone that's kind of a little bit nervous about their birth um I mean for starters I can't recommend hypnobirthing enough you know um I think if you don't know what it is just give it a chance um but also don't think that your plan has to be the only way that can be positive you know I thought that if I didn't have a water birth, then it would be a, a more negative experience. And actually, in retrospect, I'm so grateful that I got to have a dry land and a water birth with my two children because I feel like I've experienced more and learned more about what I'm capable of through the process. Yeah. Um, and I found that really empowering. So, yeah, your your birth preferences aren't necessarily the only thing that can be positive. If there's changes along the way, that can still be a really a really good thing yeah amazing thank you so so much enjoy the rest of your day with your beautiful baby (laughs) thank you you have a good day too 
So there we have it. That was the amazing positive birth story of the lovely Rachel. If you think that you might like to work with me to do a hypnobirthing course to make your birth a positive experience, then do head on over to my website. You can find the link in the description down below. Um, head on over to my website and have a little look at the courses that I offer and the prices. And if you have any questions, do please get in touch. Until next week, bye.